You're listening to the New Life Church Sunday Morning Podcast. We're a family of believers in Anderson, Missouri, that want to experience God in a real way, both inside and outside the walls of a building. For more Sunday messages, upcoming events, or to get in touch, visit new-life-church.net. Go ahead and turn to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. We're going to continue our series in Titus this morning. We'll be looking at verses 1 through 8. Titus 2, 1 through 8. And uh, this morning's title of our message is Discipleship, God's Plan to Advance His Church. And I believe that's in your communicator there. I'm not trying to be redundant, but uh, I'm also giving the guys a little bit of time to finish up the offering as well. So what comes to your mind when you think of a disciple or discipleship? Uh, maybe, maybe what pops into our minds is, is one of the original 12 disciples that Jesus called to follow him on Jesus' time on the earth. Um, Peter, James, John, Matthew, Mark, and so on. I'm not going to remember all of them. I'm not going to try. But there were 12 of them. And Jesus called them, and, he, and they were his disciples. Um, maybe we think of something negative when it comes to that. Maybe we think of a cult or some kind of a fanatic leader that's, that's leading everybody astray, trying to scoop people in to believe something false, uh, to drink the Kool-Aid, if you will. Um, we learned about this last week, didn't we, at the end of chapter 1, the false teachers portraying the false gospels. But see, I believe, because of what scriptures say, that discipleship is God's plan to advance his church. Now, let me clarify the church really quickly. It's not a building. It's not this building, or another building and exit up, or another building and exit down the interstate. It's about his people. The church is his people. This is a place that we, we reference as a church, because it's where we meet, as to learn to worship, to fellowship together, to praise him. And that is all good. And it's good to have a place to do that with. But make no mistake, this building could go away. But it does not make this no longer a church. In fact, the history of this church, as many of you know, more so than me, I've just got to hear the stories, began in a field, in a tent, and in a building by the feed mill. Through winters and summers with no heat and no air. And then the building and the feed mill burned down in multiple different transitions and places. And so I know many of you very well know for a fact it's not about the building. It's about God's people and him being there with them. So I hope that our time together so far in the book of Titus is, is pulling back this curtain for you. You're starting to see this emerge as you've read it hopefully between weeks as as we've talked about the different weeks the different sections of verses that we've looked at that you're seeing this theme of discipleship throughout this book emerge as as the curtains being pulled back it's emerging through paul in this letter to titus it's emerging to titus as he's his purpose through this book is to then raise up elders and leaders in that church 
to advance his own agenda? No. To advance God's kingdom. Because God's kingdom is what is established, the groundwork of all time. And God's kingdom is important to advance not for, our, for his sake, not just for our sake, because it's about his work and his love for us on the cross. See, discipleship is something that happens to each one of us, whether we realize it or not. Discipleship is something that we're each doing, whether we realize it or not. Sometimes positively, sometimes negatively. Who led you to Christ if you know him? A positive discipleship experience. Who has showed you things and truths in the word and spent time walking through that? Who has prayed for you? Who has who's been there for you when you've needed them? Who's taught you how to cook? Who's taught you how to hunt, how to fish, how to, how to sew, how to clean a house, how to mow the grass, how to shoot a bow, whatever the case may be. Those are all versions of discipleship. And unfortunately, sometimes there are negative cases of discipleship through abuse in a home or a false gospel, like what we learned about last week. There's no magic formula when it comes to discipleship. And I think that can trip us up. I know there's been times in my life that I've gone along and, and yeah, Yes, Lord, you're telling me that I should disciple somebody and, and, and do this thing, but then I get tripped up on, oh, I don't know enough. What if they ask me a question I don't have the answer to? What if all these things and excuses that I come up with that actually have more to do with me and my own sin securities and lack of faith in God and less to do with God and who he is, who he says he is? After all, he is good. We just sang that. After all, he is constant. After all, he paid for my sin and my insecurities on the cross. And it is me allowing him to work through, through me. It's me stepping back, letting him work through me that allows any one of us, not just me, to be able to invite somebody in to join us in our life. As we go through life, as, as we go through things, you know, life is never perfect. There's always something going on that's a little bit out of kilter because we're on this side of heaven. Someday we'll be on the other side and everything will be perfect then. And I look forward to that day. But until then, something's always going to be out of balance. Something's going to always be off. And that just gives us more opportunities to trust him more opportunities to experience his peace. No matter how hard it is of that thing, that relationship, that circumstance, that health issue, that financial thing, whatever it is that we're going through. So let's read. Let's read these verses together. First eight verses of chapter 2. <clears throat> But you are to proclaim things consistent with sound teaching. Older men are to be self-controlled, worthy of respect, sensible and sound in faith, love and endurance. In the same way, older women are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not slaves to excessive drinking. They are to teach what is good, so that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands and to love their children, to be self-controlled, pure, 
workers at home kind and in submission to their husbands so that God's word will not be slandered. In the same way, encourage the young men to be self-controlled in everything. Make yourself an example of good works with integrity and dignity in your teaching. Your message is to be sound beyond reproach so that any opponent will be ashamed because he doesn't have anything bad to say about us. Okay, so right away in verse 1, we're noticing a stark contrast of what Paul is saying to Titus compared to what we learned about last week. Stark contrast of what we should proclaim compared to what the false teachers and the false teachings, the false gospel, are going to proclaim. And, And last week we looked at Three things to keep an eye out for through our text to ways that we can spot what is false so that we know, hey, that's something I need to explore. I need to research. I need to be careful here. And one was legalism. One was, I have to do this so that I can earn my salvation. I have to be good enough. I have to follow these rules, do these lists, It is me working my way to heaven. And that is a false gospel. That cannot be done. We can never be good enough. We will wear ourselves ragged and still come up short. And that should be a relief. Because we're going to blow it. There's not one of us in here that cannot do this. In fact, I would wager that every one of us who walked through these doors this morning is a sinner. Some of us, <laughs> Misty's like, oh yeah, right here. <laughs> Some of us, however, have experienced the freedom and the joy and the grace of being saved from that sin. And others of us have not yet. And I hope and pray that that will become become clear to you this morning that the light would shine on that. The curtain would be pulled back on that. The other thing that we learned last week was a gospel plus. So adding to the gospel or taking away from the gospel. Well, there's multiple ways. There's multiple ways to have salvation. There's multiple ways to heaven. It's not just through Jesus. No. Anything plus or minus of the gospel, of what the true gospel is. And let me be clear what that is. God's plan for sinners. His love for every person who sinned. That he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to be born here on earth, to live life here on earth, so that he humbled himself to what he created. He lived life. He experienced all the emotions and the feelings that we experience. And he willingly chose to go to the cross. Though he was innocent and did not sin, he willingly went to the cross for every lie, every lustful thought, every temptation that we have given into, whatever that is, he paid for it there. And he died. But then, three days later, he rose again. Amen. And he conquered death. And he is alive today. And in him we can trust. In him we can believe. And in him we have our hope. Because death is beat and conquered. That is the gospel. Another thing to watch out for is love of money. So if somebody is always like, 
hey, I need your money. Or, hey, give me this. Or, hey, all of these things that has to do with money and you're looking at their lifestyle and it's, and it's looking a little bit lavish. And, and, you, and it makes you wonder, well, that's somebody to keep an eye out for as far as what they're teaching. And on, on the flip side of that, if you see somebody who's generous and willing to give, regardless of what their bank account is, regardless of their uh, profit and loss statement or anything along those lines, <clears throat> God may give a lot to some or little to some. And we can be generous with however much. So those are things to watch out for. So to the rest of our verses this morning, there are four categories here, four uh, groups of people that is called out. There's old women, old men, young women, and young men. That's it. I think that covers us. (laughs) Okay? This covers all of us here. God created man and woman in his image without exception and without mistake. And we live in a culture and a time where there is much confusion and debate about this. And this is our part in how to respond to that. Out of love and grace. Out of love and grace. Because it is sin that is diluting and confusing them in this. And who's to say that them being confused about what gender they may or may not be is any more of a sin than when I choose to lie or cheat on my taxes or whatever? Who's to say? So they are in need of grace and love, just like every one of us. And so that is how we should respond. Not out of judgment. Not out of trying to convict them of their sin. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Right? So we can still love them. And we should. All right. I had to go there on that. Old men, you're up first. (laughs) Here we go. (laughs) Everybody's awake? You can go to sleep after this section. Okay. I believe that right here where Scripture is talking about women is not just about age. I believe it's also talking about spiritual maturity. Okay? So, some of us may be there in age and spiritual maturity. Some of us may just be there in age. Some of us may be there in just spiritual maturity and not age yet. And I believe it is talking to those of us who have maturity in the faith as well as age and life, or a combination of the two. Not necessarily about how many breaths we've taken, our color of hair, or lack thereof, fill in the blank. But what it does mean is that those of us who have been on earth longer, those of us who have had a longer relationship with Christ, we certainly have more accountability in living out our lives for him. Okay, so the verses are two in the first part of six here. And so just jumping right in, it says we should be self-controlled. We should, we should have control of ourselves. Anybody lose their temper and don't have control of themselves? Yeah, right here. Self-controlled would be without addictions. This could be anything and everything from uh, 
substance abuse, to pornography, to gambling, to hobbies. Yeah, I said it, guys. (laughs) Hobbies can be an addiction as well. Are we self-controlled with them? Or when that new whatever it is comes out, we're just like, oh, I've got to have that. You're obsessing over it. You're like, every spare moment at work, you're like sneaking up. Okay, what's the price on it on Amazon today? Can I get it? Are we self-controlled? We also need to be worthy of respect. Not because of our color of our hair or lack of hair. Not because of our age, but because of character. Worthy of respect because of our character. Not because of our status or our bank account. But because of our integrity, our character. We are who we say we are, whether everybody's watching us or not. And we have lived a life in that manner that is worthy of respect. Are we sensible? Are we logical? Are we wise? This is what makes us wise. Time in the word. Time in prayer. Are we sound in faith and love and endurance? Sound means strong. You're anchored. You're anchored in the promises of God so that you can sing with both hands raised. It is well with my soul regardless of what's going on around me. It doesn't mean you don't hurt It doesn't mean we don't break down and cry. It doesn't mean it's not painful. But we can sing it as well. Because we are sound in faith and love and endurance. Guys, there's no retiring from this. So let me preface that. I don't believe in retirement. You're like, oh, great. Get this guy out of here. What I'm saying is, is I don't believe that we ever get to retire from being a disciple of Jesus Christ and in discipling those around us. We may get to retire from a day job. I'm for that. There's one day down the road that I would like to be able to say, yes, I don't have to go to work every day for income. I have a hope for that. That's okay. But does that mean I'm just going to get to kick back on on the river or on a golf course or in my shop, or whatever? No. No, it doesn't mean that. Can you invite others to join you in that and disciple them while you're doing it? Yeah. Yes, you can. And I think that's a beautiful thing. God wants us to enjoy his creation. He gave us creativity. Come up with things like archery and and golf and fishing and all of these things. So let's, older men... Let's invite others with us in these things and do life together. That's what discipleship is. There are so many illustrations that are just, you just being open and willing and inviting somebody in, it's going to happen. You don't have to have a magic formula or a, or a curriculum. All those, those can be great things. The curriculum can be as, a, as an example or a starting place. We are to teach what is good. We are to teach what is good, to encourage and disciple young men. All right. Old men, you're off the hook for a little bit. Seasoned ladies. 
<laughs> How should I say this appropriately, right, without getting stuff thrown at me? I love you all dearly. Trust me. It's like, how do I say, I'm a guy, how do I, oh. <laughs> it's what the Bible says, all right? I'm just going to go on that. Old women, <laughs> seasoned ladies, beautiful <laughs> ladies made in the image of God. <laughs> Again, this is about not just age, but also spiritual maturity. Okay? And, and let me say one more thing about that. I have a friend who was saved much later in life. But because he was, God used him. He grew so fast. And while I was saved as a kid, this guy, I would say, could be more mature in the faith than even me. And he's had less total years of the faith. God can use that and fast forward it. So don't think that just because you got saved last year, you don't have anything to offer. You do. Because who's inside you? It's not about us. It's about him. All right. So ladies, what a blessing you can be. What a fantastic blessing you can be. And many of the ladies I've gotten to know around here are that. Absolutely. What a blessing you can be. Who hasn't heard the story or been impacted by the godly mom or a godly grandmother? If it hasn't happened directly to you, maybe another lady is taking you in as a surrogate. But you, we've all heard that story and know of one who is. There is something very significant. There is something very powerful about a woman who loves the Lord and her influence and her relationship with those around her. See, guys, I think we're handicapped when it comes to relationship with Christ. We have to really work at it because relationships, we just kind of have to sometimes grit our teeth and take the next step. And it's just not a natural thing left unto ourselves. We will go to the woods. We will go to our shops. <laughs> we will check out. Ladies, you are a great example to us in this. And yet here are some things for ladies to be encouraged to do as well, to be. To be reverent, to be respectful and worthy of respect not slanderers. I think in this area, for ladies, this is maybe one of your hardest struggles. I'm not one, obviously, so I, I can't say for sure. But I've heard women uh, leaders in, in the Christian world say that, that perhaps gossip and slander to a woman is like lust is to a man. Like it can trip up a lady faster than almost anything else. And so to be careful. Be careful with what is said. Not addicted to alcohol. I think the temptation here becomes greater as, as life goes on. Because the kids may be grown and raised. And, and you're finding yourself alone more. And you're trying to figure out what's going on in life. And, and what's my purpose. And what's my meaning. Because Again, you've poured everything into your kids for so many years. So that can become a greater temptation. Not just addicted to alcohol, I believe it's also a caution to be, not become addicted to uh, romance novels, soap operas, things like that. Things that can skew our view of romance and 
how God created it to be and intended it to be. Shows like Dancing with the Stars, Bachelor, Bachelorette, the magazines at the checkout stands. God created romance. I am not anti-romance by any means. It can be a good thing, but to not fantasize about it. Ladies, to teach what is good, to encourage young women. Who can you invite in with you? You'd be surprised how many younger ladies might actually learn, want to learn how to sew or crochet that haven't had that opportunity, if that's something you do. Maybe they want to learn how to garden. Maybe they want to learn how to cook. Maybe they want to... You are never at a place where you don't have something to offer. Old men or old women. None of us. If God's given us breath, he's inside us. We have something to offer, and it's him. If you would like some practical suggestions of a place to start, of going through a book together, I suggest this one first, first and foremost, but sometimes we need help. Sometimes we need assistance in looking through this. Sometimes we can get confused in it, and there are some really good authors out there to supplement with this. This should be first. And I would also encourage you to pray that the Holy Spirit would open your eyes and your heart to this. I think it's our own sin, misunderstandings that makes this more confusing than it should be. And it's okay if you don't have a King James Version. Sometimes that can be confusing in and of itself. I teach out of the Christian Standard Bible. There are a lot of great translations out there that aren't going to make that much of a difference in how 100.01% accurate it really is to the original language. But it'll help you understand what's being said. But if you would like a list of authors, Tina and I talked about this Wednesday night, I have some suggestions for you. So if you've got your pen and paper handy, female authors that I've not read all of their stuff, we still have to be careful, be like the Bereans, look back to scripture, make sure what they're saying is accurate. But these are authors that I have seen that have been endorsed by places that I trust. Jen Wilkin would be one. Gloria Furman, F-U-R-M-A-N, Priscilla Shirer, S-H-I-R-E-R, Beth Moore, Lauren Chandler, and there are more. There are many more, but there's a couple that's a good place to start. Male authors, guys, I'm always going to say anything John Piper. Some of his stuff can be really heady and hard to get through. Sometimes I'll read a paragraph of his and have to sit on it for a week because it blows my mind, and I can come back around and go, oh, okay, and then I can move on to the next paragraph. It took me like three years to read Future Grace, his book, but he's a great author, and he's very deep in how he thinks. Tim Keller is another one. Matt Chandler, which is, yes, Lauren's husband. Francis Chan, A.W. Tozer, David Platt, Mark Dever, C.S. Lewis, Ladies, you don't have to stick with only female authors. These are also good authors for you as well. Here's a place to start. All right, moving on. Young women, verses 4 and 5. Young women, love your husband and your children. Straight out of the gate, loving your husband and children. Now remember, in the context of this time, that was pretty much 90, 
75 plus percent of all women was, that was their goal and their purpose in life of getting married and having kids. So that is why this is set here. In today's context and world, there are many single women. And so in that case, I would say, love those around you. I'm not saying that you've got to, you're not, being married doesn't fulfill you. Christ fulfills you. Okay? Love those around you. Maybe you have extended family members that you're going to have extra time and opportunity that you can love on if you don't have kiddos in the house or, or you're not married. Young women are to be self-controlled, self-controlled as well with your husband, even when he's being whatever he might be. With the kids, when they are doing what they might do. Or with those around you in life. Young women are to be pure in words and thoughts and deeds. Again, staying away from fantasy. It's, it's interesting to me that, that, that pornography is actually becoming more of an issue for ladies in today's context. They're estimating over 30% of women who claim they're Christians are regularly looking at it. little side note about that. If you are struggling with that, you're not alone. You're not alone. Many people do. And God still loves you. Okay? And there is help. And the help is not you trying to fight it on your own. The help comes with others surrounding you and encouraging you and praying for you. Okay? So don't be afraid to mention that. Hey, that's me. Or any other issue. Okay? We're all plain vanilla sinners, y'all. There's not a sin that God hasn't forgiven. Okay? So remove that lie. Throw that in the trash. Okay, here comes the big one. I know all you ladies are reading ahead and you're like, oh my goodness, he's going to say it. Workers at home. (laughs) Well, first off, the Bible says it, not me. Let's keep that straight. (laughs) And let's camp here for a minute, okay? I know I'm kind of laboring through this, but this is too important, so hang with me. Worker at home is indicating somebody whose priorities are straight. And that home is the main focus of the young woman's attention, especially if they're married and have kids. They're undistracted. And this is not shackles of slavery for you, young ladies. That's not what scriptures are saying here. All right. What God ordains, proclaims and commands is always what is best for us. Always. And our society, our culture will tell us a million different things that says is best for us. Remember last week we talked about over 5,000 messages a day are hitting us between advertisements and internet and TV and, and billboards and bumper stickers and everything else of a false gospel. And trying to get us to believe something that is not for our best. And I have great compassion and sympathy for single moms. I do. You are doing more than you should be having to do. Or a single dad. You are doing more than God designed and intended 
for you to have to do. And there's grace there. And if you need help and support, please let us know. I can't think of a better place for us to be discipling people would be our single parents. I also understand how difficult finances can be. And I can speak from experience in this. As a husband who's worked two to three jobs, 98% of our marriage, so that my wife could do that. When she felt called to do that, early on when we found out we were pregnant with this guy, and she felt called to stay home to do that. And I knew that if I was, this was part of my job as a husband, that I needed to do what I could. And I'm not saying this to toot my own horn. I'm saying this to say, it's hard. And there were some really lean, tight months. But I can tell you that God has blessed it. As at 21 years later, and now that he's married and going to be a dad, <laughs> it is paying off. <laughs> we were debating last night if I was going to bring it up, and I was like, couldn't help it. It's too good. <laughs> um, anyways, let me get back. Sorry. Like it's all sorts of things going in my head, excitement. Um, but so this is twofold. This is not just to the young women's, but also the married young women. This is also to the husbands. If your wife feels called to do this, she's willing to pray and surrender in this area. If she's able to, if you're able to financially, are you willing to step up? Are you willing to step up in that area? Again, like I said at the beginning, I'm not the Holy Spirit. I'm, I'm conveying what Scripture says about this. I'm sharing what, what the blessing has been in our own family because of this. And I'm asking and encouraging you to be willing to pray about it, to be open to it. And I'm not going to stand here and judge or condemn if you don't feel called to do that. I'm not going to think you're less of a parent. Okay? So, I'm just conveying what the Word says. Does anybody think I'm upset at them if they don't? No. Okay, good. I just had to throw it out there. This is more like a we're sitting across the table thing. So I'm going to come down here. <coughs> Young men. Ladies are like, finally. <laughs> Let them have it. <laughs> Young men. All right, guys. Self-controlled in everything. And I will say having been a young man, and some would consider still am, we are deficient in self-control. If there was a vitamin that we could take to help bring up <laughs> this in our lives, it would probably be a good thing. So what are our motives? Do you ever stop and think about that, young man? What are our motives for doing the things that we do? Why do we get a dirt bike and just floor it going across a field that we've never been across before why do we jump out of a boat going 50 miles an hour down the lake why do we <laughs> fill in the blank we all have our stories 
where we were very much deficient in self-control. Why? What was our motive behind that? I know what mine was. Everybody's going to think I'm awesome if I do this. <laughs> and really it was more like, you're an idiot. Why did you do that? <laughs> but if we're living our lives self-controlled and our, our motive is to glorify God instead of ourselves, I wonder, I wonder how many of the stupid things that have been done would be done. You know, the Darwin Awards you see circulating on YouTube and different things like that. A lot of that would be eliminated, right? Are we willing to sacrifice things to serve God in the same way we're willing to sacrifice our bodies for certain choices? We are to be a good example, to be a leader for our family, now, others around you, being a leader is not being a boss. Being a leader is being a servant. We are to be sound in doctrine, to pour ourselves into scriptures like we do our trucks, our jobs, our hobbies. And yes, we too can disciple others. We can invite those younger than us to join us into those things, to do life with us. Teach them a trade. More importantly, teach him about Jesus. Sound in speech. A couple weeks ago, Matt reminded of us, Matt Wallen reminded us of his favorite verse, Ephesians 4.29, to not let any unwholesome talk come out of our mouths. Perverted talk, cuss words. We could get into debates, what's a cuss word, what isn't. I'm going to land more along the camp of I would rather not say those words, try to not say those words. I'm not perfect in this, ask my boys, but try to not say these words than to say them and be wrong. Who am I trying to please by saying those words? Am I being in control when I say those words? To be reverent. There's a definition of reverence in, in one of the, in, the original languages. It's as becoming holiness. Let that sink in, being reverent. As becoming holiness. Not addicted to media, lust, alcohol, drugs, energy drinks. Are you addicted? Even caffeine can be an addiction. Every couple of years, I'll, I'll pull back the coffee just to make sure I can, <laughs> as much as I love it. And it's a rough week or two. <laughs> it's like, okay, if I can give it up, then I'm okay. <laughs> At the end of the day, guys, I don't know if you're picking up on this, if you're like, Matt, this sounds like a bunch of to-dos, a bunch of things I've got to do to be good. Well, let's, let's look at that again. Being versus doing. Remember this? Human beings is who God created us to be not human doings. Self-controlled, sensible, kind, sound in the faith, a good example, reverent, pure. That's the being part. That's the where we're spending time in the word, we're spending time in the scripture, we're spending time in prayer, and we're letting God fill us up to where we're like the pitcher being filled with water, 
or the bucket outside you left a faucet on, you walked away and it's just filling up and it's filling up and it's filling up and that's us as we spend time in the word and time in prayer. And the doing part is when we start overflowing where we teach others where we're at home with our kids and we're teaching them and raising them as we're able to as we're serving our families as husbands and leaders as we're inviting others in to our lives being versus doing we are being human beings because of Christ and his work on the cross and who he is for us See, I'm convinced that there are no mature believers in this world. There is no advancement of the church without discipleship. And we all have a part to play. This is not a if. This is not a should we. It's let's do it. Let's do it together. Let's do this together. As Jethro did to Moses, as Moses to Joshua, as Elijah to Elisha, And on and on and on throughout scriptures is Jesus to the disciples. Jesus didn't have a curriculum. He invited him in to walk with him, sleep with him, talk with him, watch him. Asked him a lot of questions. Even though he knew all the answers, he still wasn't always just giving it to him. He was asking them questions. Who do they say that I am? Paul to Timothy to Titus, Titus to the elders of the church. We are here today because of discipleship as believers. So as we pray, as we study, as we learn, as we grow, pray about who you can invite in with you. If you already know Christ, pray about somebody who might disciple you. And if you don't know Jesus, most importantly, please ask. Ask me. Ask somebody else. Again, it's not a magic formula. It's a surrender. It's a surrender to him. Saying, Lord, thank you. You've done it. You've paid it. Fill me. I don't have to do anything more but surrender to you. So would you pray with me? Lord, this morning as we're reminded through your word that you you modeled discipleship to us from the beginning of time as you discipled Adam and Eve in the garden as, as you set them as a family to disciple their kids and their kids, their kids and you just, you've expanded the world. You expanded the church through discipleship Lord this morning that we would rest in the fact that we can anchor in you because you are good and you will not forsake us that our place is a place of surrender to you our place is a place of being open and willing to follow and to invite others in to our lives with us we don't have to know the answers we just have to be willing You will give us the answers through others, through your word. Lord, speak to us this week. Lord, let us us leave with names in mind 
that we could just reach out to. And it doesn't mean that they'll always do it, but that we would just reach out, whether they know you or they don't know you. And Lord, more than anything, if there's anybody here who doesn't know you yet as their Lord and Savior, God, that you would bring them to you. And you would just open their hearts and minds to your love for them, your desire to give them peace, joy, relationship. They would have understanding and clarity that in in you is only where we can be satisfied. I ask all these things in your name. Amen.